Moving up, moving out, moving along. Where are you headed next? I'm Christy Cassidy, your host and the creator of Moving Along, a podcast about travel, relocation, and life transitions. Listen in to real life stories as we explore moving along and what it takes to make your life a positive new adventure. Our guest today on Moving Along is Debbie Mayer, a writer and speaker now living in San Diego. We met more than 25 years ago in New York City while working at Poets and Writers. Debbie was the editor of the magazine, living in the West Village and taking long jaunts up to the country on the weekends. When my girlfriend and I moved back east from Santa Fe, one of the main reasons we chose Hudson, New York, just two hours north of New York City, is that Debbie Mayer lived here. Welcome, Debbie, to Moving Along. Thank you, Christy. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, you moved to Hudson and then I moved away. (laughs) Exactly. You moved to San Diego. I did. But I want to ask you, you grew up in Schenectady, New York, which is a small city not far from the state capital of Albany Mm -hmm. and also the home of General Electric. Right. Yes. Since then, you've moved several times and traveled extensively. I want to ask you, what did travel and moving mean to you when you were growing up? Hmm, Good question. When I was growing up, you know, shortly after the invention of electricity, one didn't take the kids on airplanes then the way people do now. You know, they fly all over with their children. So I didn't travel too much when I was growing up. We had a camp at Lake George, which is north of Schenectady, which I loved. It was one of my favorite places. And then I went, so when I graduated from college where I went to Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, so I'm still in New York State, right? I graduated from Skidmore and I went to New York City and I was very happy there. I was working in New York City, but I'm trying to think of travel. I probably didn't really start to, I'm trying to think of my first trip because I didn't have a lot of money in New York City. So there wasn't a lot of money to travel with, but I think at one point then I'll place it here. I took the train across Canada. I got on in Montreal, got off in Vancouver and it was four nights and three days. So you had a day of deciduous trees, a day of the flat plains, and then a day of the mountains with fir trees. And this was, I think, the first trip that I sort of organized by myself, you know, made my reservations, saved my money, made my plans. And I just like to see things, you know, moving along then as I got older, I made many trips by myself eventually in groups. I didn't go to China by myself. But what I was looking for is things that I wanted to see in person. I wanted to see China before it all looked like Chicago. I wanted to see Japan, Russia, and of course, Italy and Spain. In college, I spent a summer in Europe and I had a lot of fun there too. Did you go by yourself or with a roommate? No, I pretty much went by myself. And I spent June in basically in London. And then in July, I was taking um, a summer course in Dijon, France. I, I was at a university there. So that was my base. And I met people there. And that was fun. And then afterward, I traveled in Germany and Austria. But I was pretty much by myself. I could pretty much speak the languages. And I guess I was just more intrepid. 
Do you think we travel differently when we're in our 20s than now when we're older? I would expect so. Yes. I think one's braver because one doesn't know the dangers, really. I mean, I would travel with people that I had just met and it it was fine, (laughs) thankfully. But now, and also traveling later, I was traveling where I didn't know the language. I wasn't going to learn Chinese or Russian. So I just felt safer going with a group. When I went to Russia, I wanted to go to Russia sort of in the winter, you know, see the snow and stuff. And nobody else did. I was the only person who booked that trip. And so, you know, the company I negotiated and back and forth until we found a trip that I could afford and they could afford. So I went by myself. All I wanted to do was spend a week in Moscow and a week in St. Petersburg. And that's what I did. And I had a guide and a driver in each city. And the guides were fascinating. The drivers were fascinating. So it was fun, even though I was, it, it was a little lonely because I couldn't quite manage dinner. You know, they give you breakfast. The guide and I would buy lunch. And then I was kind of on my own for, for dinner. So sometimes I was a little hungry, but that was okay. <laughs> so it was a, it was a tour group of one. Yeah, it was. Uh-huh. Nobody else wanted to go to and- Russia in November. I can't imagine why. <laughs> And was it really cold? It, you know, it was cold. When I looked at it, it seems like Moscow and St. Peter's were kind of at the same latitude as New York. So I brought my winter storm coat, you know, and I had some boots and a hat and I was freezing. I was wow. just, freezing. yeah. Did you find yourself longing for L.L. Bean or something? I, how did you, did you find mittens? Do they sell mittens on the street or... You know what I bought? The guide and I went to an open air market and I bought a fur hat and it was the kind of place where you bargained for what they were offering. They would mention a price and, you know, it was expected that you would bargain it down. And I did. The guide said I did very well bargaining. That's great. And I assume the seller did not speak English. So the guide was your go-between translator. Yeah, the guide was assisting me. Yes. So I would think of the lowest price that I could possibly manage think that they might take and I could give that price. And of course they would faint with shock. And then, I, you know, I would move it up a little till we were both happy. I love it. It's almost like what you did with the tour company That finally allowed you to go in November by yourself. By myself. Yeah. And I did it when I bought my house in in Hudson, when I moved there. I made an offer of the lowest price (laughs) that I thought they would possibly consider. And they were furious. But then, you know, you you move up and you, you come to terms. You come to an agreement. After 25 years, your love, Your husband, in all but ceremony, falls ill. Spring becomes summer, and your days consist of driving a half hour each way to work, your evenings of driving an hour each way to the hospital. During these drives, you tell yourself a story in which you and your then dog drive west. Your love's illness is terminal, and his dog elderly. You plan a meandering route across the country for you and your dog, visiting friends or staying in holiday inns because they take dogs and have swimming pools. You proceed slowly because finally, you have no appointments, no life and death decisions. 
We drive right to the Pacific and stand at the water. The dog bats at things in puddles while you gaze out at the horizon. After a few minutes of this, you and the dog look at each other and you ask her, what shall we do next? A friend takes you out for lunch during that horrible summer and you tell her this story. Fantasies are important, she says, and you think, no, no, it's real. Your love dies in August. You need your job. After three years, tired of driving for every single thing, yearning for more human contact, for a sign that people do not totally regret life, as Frank O'Hara wrote, you sell the little white house and move west 13 miles to a small walkable city. Your summer lunch friend dies a few years later. In your essay, Go West, Old Woman, mm-hmm. you mentioned when you were younger, having gone to Anchorage, right? And yeah. then did you go hiking with Dan in yes. out west in Bryce Canyon and Zion? Yes, in Bryce and Zion, we went hiking. Yeah, as, as I said, that trip to Anchorage was when I took the train across the country. Oh, that was the same trip. Same trip. Yes, I took the train to Vancouver and I had dreamed of taking the ferry up to Anchorage, but there was a strike. So <laughs> Sorry. It was, yeah, it was ignominious. I had to fly into Anchorage, ho-hum, but I did. Yes, that was all the same trip when I visited my friend in Anchorage. And Dan wasn't particularly interested. I was surprised. And then I did get Dan. We did go to Utah. And we camped and hiked in Bryce Canyon and Zion. And it was just so gorgeous. I would have gone back. We did not go back. And when we were there, we didn't get to Arches. I would have loved to have gone to Arches. I have not gone to Arches. Maybe I'll go from here. You chastise yourself now, but only a little. You and a long-term boyfriend saw a total eclipse of the sun from the best vantage point in the Canadian woods, then fled the hummingbird mosquitoes to the Bay of Fundy. You and the love of your life hiked trails at Bryce and Zion, so magnificent that English faltered in describing them. You wanted to go back to Arches, but you wound up instead in Wyoming doing volunteer trail work. For this, you are less forgiving. But you did get an article out of it in a national magazine for enthusiasts of hiking, camping, mountain climbing. And to be fair, together you made multiple trips to Mexico. And later, you enjoyed cross-country skiing, a sport you discovered in middle age in which you finally stayed warm, even outdoors, in winter, for a few hours. You still dreaded skiing downhill. But for the most part, you could do this, and you began to look forward just a tiny bit to winter. Years later, when you fell flat on your face and were lucky not to have broken your nose, you switched to snowshoeing, which was just as much fun and almost as warm. Since you moved to San Diego, are there other vistas that perhaps you had in your sights or you didn't have in your sights, but now have in your sights? Yeah, that's a good question because the answer is, I feel like being on the West Coast, a lot is 
is cut off. I'll never get to Portugal. Let's be realistic. If I have to fly across the country and then fly another five hours or something to Portugal, what my vista is, is Hawaii, where, as I mentioned in my essay, I visited once and I loved it. In another lifetime, I would have gone a little farther to Hawaii, but that was not for this lifetime. So I hope to visit Hawaii. My friend in Anchorage, who's still there, likes to visit there because it's something that Alaska people do, you know, to get warm, they go to Hawaii. So I hope to go there. And I want to explore California. I mean, I've been to San Francisco a long time ago. But what happened was, so I moved here in February of 2019. And I was starting to explore my new city, my new state, you know, do a little outreach, bus trips with friends. And then, as you know, everything shut down. So I really didn't do any exploring in 2020. And now I'm just starting again, again with day trips. You know, I'm thinking about your question. I don't see a lot of travel in my future. You know, I have friends in Colorado that I'd like to visit. I still have friends up near Seattle that I'd like to visit. But I see myself as staying kind of local. That's so interesting because having lived in Santa Fe, I can say but Colorado's so close, and it really is. And when yes. you think about where Palm Springs is, it's, it, you know, Arizona's a day. <laughs> right, yeah, right. What I'm hoping to have happened this year, maybe, is that a couple of friends are interested in visiting me. So I'm thinking about itineraries, things we can do. One of them wants to see Joshua Tree, the National Park. Yes, yes. We should do this because the jo- poor Joshua trees are dying from the drought. So we got to get there. And there are things to do here in San Diego that I look forward to showing people and learning about myself because I haven't been there. Torrey Pines, the wonderful state park here in, in San Diego, doesn't let you bring your dog. Well, forget it. I haven't seen Torrey Pines. Well, that's a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you about Travels with Sizzle This is your regular humorous snippets. Oh, yes. She just came inside. I was going to say, I hope Travels with Sizzle becomes a New Yorker style book replete with cartoons, line drawings at the very least of your Travels with Sizzle, who is a Basinji former show dog. And Describe Sizzle for us and your secret to success in traveling with Sizzle. Okay, Sizzle is like having a 14-year-old girl with you at all times. You know, there's a lot of attitude. There's a lot of eye rolling. So that's the way she is. It's very nice of you to talk about travels with Sizzle. We'll talk about that more too. Okay, (laughs) I'm laughing. Okay, but right now, so let's see. You wanted to know traveling with Sizzle or... Yeah, traveling, moving. What's the secret to success with the 14-year-old girl? I mean, the former show dog. Yeah, the former show dog. Well, I don't know. I used to say to her, she, you know, she was cold too. We were both cold back in Hudson. And she would say, if we ever talked about moving, I would say, Sizzle, you got to get us a book deal. You got to get us a movie deal. And what happened eventually, I don't know if you want to talk about this, is I realized I didn't need a book deal or a movie deal. I could manage moving west with what I had. And poor Sizzle just had to go along. I carried across the country in our little car, in our little 
Prius that kind of looks like a Subaru, you know, that style of Prius. I carried this damned thing, you know, a, a plank that she could walk up into the car because I was so afraid we'd be out in Lawrence, Kansas, and she wouldn't get in the car. Well, we never once used the plank because the car was our one consistency. I got in the car. I was going to get in the car. Sizzle got in the car. She didn't complain. The other thing, speaking of consistency, is that Sizzle is a little clingy now because I'm I'm the only consistent thing in her life over the last four years. You know, she came to me in Hudson. We were there. We drove a long way. Now we're here. But always there's been me. Or as Sizzle might tell you, there's also the bed. Sizzle's in my conversation. So I say to Sizzle, tomorrow, all this was back in March 1st of 2019. Tomorrow, Sizzle, all hell breaks loose because the furniture was coming. And she says, yeah, but we get the bed, right? Because we've been sleeping on the floor on a futon. I say, yeah, with any luck, we'll get the bed. And she says, and the pillows, we'll get the pillows. Yes, I say, we'll get the pillows. Because that's sort of Sizzle's focus. She had me and she had her food bowls, not her real food bowls. They were on the truck, but a food bowl. Her toys. Yeah, she had a few toys, but she doesn't really play with toys. Older dogs are often not very playful and, and sizzle. I keep trying to teach her new things. Right now, I'm trying to teach her to play with her yellow tennis ball. And she is just so perplexed. The Senjis are like that. They're smart, but they're stubborn. You know, I roll the ball to her and she says, why should I do this? Is that the, just the nature of the breed? Yes, I believe it's the nature of the breed. They're smart, but they're stubborn. So isn't one of the reasons you chose to move to San Diego that you have friends out there who are, are they breeders? Basenji, Basenji? Yeah, they're, no, they're not breeders, but they are Basenji lovers. And they each, when I moved out here, they each had two Basenjis. And they were instrumental in bringing me out here. Tamara started a Facebook page so we could discuss listings without a lot of confusing emails. It was called something like finding a sizzling California home. (laughs) That's great. And they did find you your condo, right? Yes, they did help me find this condo. Lynn gave me the connection to the real estate agent that Lynn had used when she moved. And Lynn made a spreadsheet. And so the agent was actually going on a bit of a vacation. It was that summer. And so she gave me a bunch of zip codes and Lynn made a spreadsheet of the neighborhoods in these zip codes. And then there was a column for Tamara's comments and a column for Lynn's comments on each neighborhood. And they didn't always agree. Mm -hmm. So that was very helpful. You know, it was awkward for me to print it out, but I did. I printed it out, taped it together. And that was my Bible as this agent sent me listings. They send you listings. Every night, I would get an automatic batch of listings from this agency. And that was like, it was the one fun thing I had that summer. So I would look at these condos and, and you know what it's like. Every time you open it up, this might be the perfect one. It's like looking at apartments or at houses. Mm-hmm. And so that's an awful lot of preparation. And what surprised you 
in this whole process of looking for the perfect condo, the one. It sort of surprised me when the first time I talked to the real estate agent on the phone, she said, you don't have enough money to move here, to live here. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the neighborhood. (laughs) And I said, well, I think I do. Let's see. I don't know if there were any particular surprises. I'm trying to think from getting all these listings all summer. I made I typed up because I type up everything. I typed up a list of what I must have and what would be nice. So must is obviously a safe neighborhood. Must the place must take dogs. Must have a pool because why else am I moving out here? Off-street parking because I looked at a couple of cheaper places that didn't even have off-street parking. You don't want to do that. And some other things. And then other things I was flexible about. I didn't need a hot neighborhood. I mean, it would have been nice, but I couldn't, I really couldn't afford it. Hot. You mean trendy? Trendy. Yeah. Yeah. Like moving to the Greenwich Village of San Diego, that wasn't going to happen. And so I ended up in a neighborhood called Mira Mesa, which is sort of the nowheresville of San Diego. (laughs) And how's it going? It's going great because it's perfect for Sizzle and me. It has grass and trees and landscaping. The buildings are low, so you can always see the sky. There are places to walk, not parks. There aren't any parks, sadly, but we have nice walks because we can always see some greenery. And I like my condo community a lot. It's 88 units, which is relatively small for Southern California. I have a carport. My car is covered. We have a small pool. It's kind of small, but I manage. And you're not going to move back. (laughs) No, I wasn't thinking of it. (laughs) Well, it's too cold. It's too cold. You're walking home from CVS where you have scored another over-the-counter medication that might help your allergies. You're wearing a jacket and hat, socks on your feet, and a scarf around your neck, and you're freezing. You're freezing, and you think, I can't take this anymore. Arriving home, you greet Sizzle and go upstairs to your laptop. You Google San Diego condominium, $250,000. And what a sweet place Google shows you with a swimming pool, patio, carport. You try to be skeptical. You look at each photo twice. You study the description, trying to read between the lines. Then you send the link to your friend in San Diego who knows everything. Is this in a bad neighborhood, you ask? She replies within the hour, not a bad neighborhood, but it's near Rose Creek, so it could be stinky sometimes. Here, try this one. She attaches a link for another condo, even sweeter, at $250,000. Swimming pool, balcony, garage. And you think, I can do this. You think, there's no rule that says I have to be brave about the weather. And you think, I have time for one more adventure. It's not about remaking yourself. You'll be the same overcommitted, disorganized person you've always been, wherever you've lived. It's not about changing you, but place. Driving around one day, you think, maybe I should live somewhere where I have no memories. In Go West, Old Woman, you write that it's not about what I leave here, but what I find there. 
that you were ready for one more adventure where you have friends but no memories. That's right. I needed something new to explore. I had lived in New York State, both in New York City and upstate, all my life. And I love New York State. It offers so much variety. And there would be plenty for me to still explore in New York State, but I wanted something new. And so the the exploration, by the way, is, is also mental. I love reading about California history. I have these books about California history and uh, California this and that. And that's what I want to explore now is a new state, a new, a new land, a new area. So you believe in neuroplasticity, that our brains don't just turn to concrete, that we're still kind of sponges as we get older? Oh, yes, very much so. That's a good point, certainly. And this is it. You're walking home from CVS. But also, more to the point, is it's not about remaking yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. You'll be the same overcommitted, disorganized person. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, It's something that I thought of because I don't know if you know Sarah Sterling. She lives in Hudson. She's very nice. Mm -mm. And we were talking about moves or something. And she said, yeah, you always think that you'll remake yourself and be a different person in a different place. And I realized that I shouldn't think that. It's not about remaking yourself. You'll be the same overcommitted, disorganized person you've always been wherever you lived. It's not about changing you, but place. Driving around one day, you think, maybe I should live somewhere where I have no memories. And that's true. That's a true scene. I was driving around Columbia County and thinking that wherever I went there, I had memories, which was fine. But maybe I should go somewhere where I had friends, as I say at the end, where I have friends, but I have no memories. And just make new memories. It's a longer view, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I was trying to think about this before our our meeting. And I thought, well, really, it was kind of an, an existential move. I was cold all the time. And I was tired of being cold. I wanted someplace warm. Are you writing for any of the local papers out there yet? No, you know, well, no, I haven't. I did have a poem in the San Diego Union Tribune. I was so pleased. They were starting, you know, because nothing was going on and they were desperate for content in their arts and cultures section. They took things from readers. And it just happened I was sitting in my car, able to take my mask off and drink a, a Starbucks latte. And I wrote a poem called Pandemic Cafe. You want to read it for us? If I can find it. Here we go Pandemic Cafe. Sitting alone in my car, mask finally off, I can drink a latte listening to Michael Jackson rhyme beat it with defeated on sunny 98.1 in the Vons parking lot under a marine sky on a spring afternoon. At home, my dog, Sizzle, lies on the couch, resting. We need time apart. And the monthly report of my decimated retirement fund lies on the counter unopened. I've deposited the final check from my part-time job, but my sweet shelter is paid for, the fridge is full, and my credit card stands ready at zero balance. 
Friends and family report in healthy. I wake each morning singing thanks. That's lovely. Thank you. I would have published it too if I were them. They had a column of poetry and they put mine at the top and the image was was a Vons, which is like ShopRite. Yeah. Okay. And I was so pleased because I got an illustration. (laughs) Yes, I was very pleased with that experience. I had other ideas for them. They weren't interested. But what happened to me, Chrissy, as I mentioned in this poem, is is that I was laid off from my part-time job and I was suddenly free to write for myself. And I feel like Governor Newsom, I waited all my life for Governor Newsom to come along and tell me just to stay home and write. So he did. And I did. And I got a lot of other stuff completed. That's wonderful. The part-time job was the one from here, right? The Columbia paper? That's right. I was still working for the Columbia paper, you know, just keeping myself on Eastern time, submitting my work. So in a way, the pandemic, not only did it give you that time to write, which is a gift for any writer, right? But it also settled you into Pacific time. That's true, Christy. That's a very good point. Yes. So do you still get up bright and early? And you you used to always get up bright and early when you lived here. I do. I get up at 5.30 so that I can write for an hour before breakfast. And then Sizzle and I do breakfast and a walk. And then I could come back. And write some more. I didn't have to worry about the Columbia paper because That's wonderful. It was. It was just wonderful. You know, I did like three deep revisions of my novel. Mm-hmm. I feel that I've completed it. I finally launched my website, which I'd been talking about for years. This year, I've completed a draft of Travels with Sizzle. And what am I doing this year? Oh, I'm revising my will, which is very important. And you recommend that everybody do that, whether or not they're traveling or moving. It's about life transitions as well. Oh, yes. Yes, I do. When I think of my will, I just tremble. But now I have someone revising it. You know, I I found a, a nice lady lawyer in the neighborhood. If the walking were more pleasant around here, I could walk to her office. But anyway, I've made all these arrangements for sizzle, should I predecease sizzle. And so just casually at the end of our meeting, the lawyer said, what kind of a dog do you have? I said, a Basenji. And she said, oh, I have two. And she whipped out her phone and showed me pictures of her Basenjis before showing me photos of her three beautiful children. I love that, I have to say. (laughs) Priorities, right? Isn't that funny? Yes, the the dogs have an Instagram page. (laughs) Her dogs. Her dogs. Maybe Sizzle will have an Instagram page soon, too. Maybe that's what she needs. Uh, maybe. Yeah. She doesn't need a tennis ball, Debbie. She needs an Instagram page. You are so right. That's what she's been trying to tell me. <laughs> when she keeps looking at the ball, looking at you with, a, with an eye roll. Right. And where's my Instagram page? Exactly. Exactly. Watch out. She'll be getting onto TikTok before you know it. I know, really. Debbie, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your stories of travel and moving across country to San Diego. You're most welcome, Christy. My pleasure. Well, I want to give you a shout out. You can read more about Debbie's books and her writing and her 
talks because she is also a professional speaker at debbymayer.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y-M-A-Y-E-R.com. Thanks, Debbie. Thanks, Christy. Christy Cassidy, your host. We'll be back next time with more stories of travel, relocation, and life transitions. I'm moving along. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time.